RJ Lozada here. If you like what you're hearing, please donate to us. Visit radioproject.org, and there you can find a donate button. Also, rate us on iTunes. It totally helps other listeners find us. Thank you so much, and now, here's the show. This week on Making Contact. We make our way to Cambodia by way of Michael Siv's documentary, Days of Justice, a film about a group of Cambodian-American survivors in Long Beach, California, making the journey back to Cambodia for the tribunals prosecuting former Khmer Rouge officials for their crimes against humanity, committed during the Khmer Rouge regime from 1975 to 1979. Days of Justice explores the very complicated and almost surreal psychological terrain of reconciling generational terror beset by the specters of war at the hands of those that can easily be your brother, your sister, your father, or your mother. Making Contact is presenting an abridged version of the hour-long documentary, and you can find more information about the film on our website. But for now, we turn the mic over to filmmaker and narrator Michael Siv. My earliest memory of Cambodia was loud sounds of explosions and people screaming. I was born in April 1975 when Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge began their reign of terror. To secure their power base, the Khmer Rouge tortured, starved, and executed two million of its own people. When I was five, my mom and I escaped Cambodia, leaving behind my father and my brother. For three years, we lived in different refugee camps until we moved to the United States in 1981. But growing up in America wasn't easy either, seeing my mom struggle with her past, a past she never wanted to talk about. It's been 35 years since the killing fields. And with Pol Pot Long dead, Lachna is looking for survivors to participate in an upcoming trial in Cambodia known as K002. Do you know you can demand justice in the upcoming Khmer Rouge trial? How do you feel? Um, how you say history again? You lived through the Khmer Rouge genocide, but I didn't. You guys are witnesses. Pardon me, but if you die, that's it. This silence is familiar to me and to most of my generation. Obvious, they are afraid. They're traumatized from what had happened 35 years ago. In her effort to recruit more witnesses, Lachna set up a meeting in Long Beach, California, home to the largest Cambodian community in America. 
We had asked them to draw anything about life before, during, or after the Khmer Rouge, and what you're seeing, majority are images of during the Khmer Rouge. They're mourning their loved ones. Who, who's this person? They say, oh, that's my dead husband. That's my dead children. They treated me like an animal. They started shooting and forced us to evacuate Phnom Penh. I had uh, five children. It's okay, take your time. Um. Please applaud these courageous survivors. If Pol Pot is the Hitler of Cambodia, then this long-awaited trial should be on Nuremberg. A month later, it was time to take three survivors to Cambodia to testify against the Khmer Rouge. I wanted to go with them and also witness history. One of the three survivors is Om Sapani. She is accompanied by her husband, Mr. Sarith. They were separated during the war. She in Cambodia. He in America. Which is when he suffered a stroke. I made a promise to myself. Before I die, I want to find real justice, not just for my babies and family, but for all the victims and those who died by Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge. Before I die, that's my goal. The other two survivors are en route from Washington, D.C., and will join us in Phnom Penh. I hope attending this trial can give the survivors a sense of resolution. I went back to Cambodia for the first time when I was 24 to reunite with my father and brother. I'm hoping this trip will help me move on as well. Okay, all cheers. Yes. Okay. Welcome yes. to Cambodia. Cheers, cheers. Welcome to Cambodia and good luck to success of K002. Good luck. Before the trial started, Lachana wanted to visit Khmer Rouge country. Northern. Remote. 
Lochner has arranged for us to talk to a Khmer Rouge big shot. So big, we're not allowed to know his identity. Not until we get there. The idea is to create an opportunity for survivors to speak with perpetrators to see if there's an opportunity for them to understand each other's pain and suffering and also for the perpetrators to admit what they had done. You know, to take responsibility and to apologize to the survivors for, for what they have done. The big shot isn't a big shot at all. He's a guy my age named Pang. But it turns out his father is actually Ganga Il, aka Dutch, a notorious war criminal. Enslavement. Imprisonment, murder, torture, and other inhumane. Dutch was the first Khmer Rouge to be convicted of crimes against humanity and sentenced to life in prison in 2011. Evidence. The chamber finds Kang guilty. My father never acted directly from his own will. It was a complicated time. The way I see it, my father had to obey orders. Therefore, it wasn't his fault. He was pressured by his superiors. He gave the confessions to his superiors. And they ordered the prisoners to be killed. So, he did. Yeah, he had to kill them. Well, you can say that, but how about aging survivors? Where is their justice? I don't understand how justice can be paid to them. Okay, I want to invite you to attend the trial. Zero, zero, 002? I can get you in with us, as my guest. Listen, listen. No reporters will find out who you are. I'll tell them you're my brother. I'm shocked to hear Lachana's invitation. Why would he want to put himself through that? He's a victim of this history. He knows nothing about the country. He did not. He was born after. No, I think he has a right to be at the court to learn from. Lachana's associate, Teddy Yoshigami, doesn't think it's a good idea either. I already made that offer. I know, so it's hard. I can't stop you. 
You're listening to Making Contact, and today we're presenting an edited version of the documentary film, Days of Justice. The film follows a group of Cambodian-American survivors of the Khmer Rouge as they return to Cambodia to witness the tribunal to prosecute high-ranking Khmer Rouge leaders for genocide. It's the first day of the trial. And every Cambodian seems to be here. Auntie Sofani Bay is also a civil party. So is Marie Chia and Saram Nu. Let's come together and demand justice. What does this trial mean for you personally? I mean, I just said to the gentleman here, I mean, anybody, you know, I've been doing this work now for, you know, 15 years. Anybody who reads this evidence deals with this, these kinds of issues, of course, it's profoundly moving. What outcome do you want to see from this crime? I want to know who involved in this crime, who stayed behind the scene, who stayed behind the killing. I want to hear from those people. My dream come true. I want to see it, the real thing. Now it's true, I can see it. No cameras are allowed in the courtroom. So I make my way to where all the locals are. chamber of the extraordinary chambers in the courts of Cambodia declares opened relating to three following accused Nun Chia Ying Sari Kiu Sampon charges against the accused are as follows pursuant to the closing order as amended by the pre-trial chamber decisions on the appeal against the closing order, document D427-3-15, D427-4. This isn't the first time Peng has attended a trial like this. Ten years ago, he was the only family member who attended his father's trial when Dutch was sentenced to life in prison. He watched from a private room to ensure his safety. Document D427-3-15 and D427- As the trial begins, subject to the right of reality the sets in. Provided with care and effective defense and all parties to be provided with timely notice on domestic crimes, document E122, Everything gets lost in the legalese, a language nobody understands except the lawyers. As the trial drones on, interest wanes. What are the lawyers going on and on about? Of their authority and the lines of communication throughout the 
when it's finally time for a break, everybody's worn out. All of the criminals start to look for a way out. Ng Zari's wife, Ng Taret, was excused by claiming dementia. He had a headache all afternoon. He took off the headsets. He was unable to listen. He was in pain. He waived his presence, yet you forced him to be here, claiming that this is an indispensable part of the proceedings. And when they finally did speak, it was all denial. What the court is doing is unjust for me. I'm of the opinion that I shouldn't participate in this trial. I will not respond to all the charges against me. Each of them gave their very best performances. I'm very exhausted. I can't continue. I'm rather exhausted, Your Honor. My heart does not allow me to continue. Perhaps I can take a nap and do it later. I don't think this is going anywhere. So what hope do we have? Yes, the survivors are happy to be here, but what is important to them is the killings. We're also talking about our next generation, who live without understanding as well. Do you feel this way also? Are you confused and feel like there is no resolution? I've felt that way for a long time, but I never found any resolution. Do you think there is justice? No, these guys are not going to offer that. But what's the solution to help the survivors? I don't know. I want to help the way it's going, but I don't know. And this trial is not right. Later, we're at this gathering at a fancy hotel. It's an informational meeting to update all of the civil parties. Most of you are elders and traveled from far away for resolutions. Be patient. This process takes a long time. That's all I have to say. The court is allowing them to make too many excuses. They're not respecting us. We can't accept this. I want justice, real justice, not a fake one. I ask myself, 
Why am I alive, but my family will all die? Why have I lost everything and all alone in America? I realize we look to leaders to dictate our lives, but I'm at fault for allowing them to continue to control my life. That's how so many people died. But now, as Cambodians, we must be the leaders to set ourselves free to dictate our own destiny. I spent my whole life being worried that if I said the wrong thing about the war, I would trigger bad memories for my mom. Watching the survivors take stage to speak didn't just help them, it helped me. The elders might look fragile, but it's clear how resilient they are. After a couple of days off, the trial is starting up again. But not for our group. We're starting to get ready to go home. But before saying goodbye, Pang asks us to go to a Buddhist temple with him. Everyone traveled thousands of miles from America in search for justice. The way I see it, you guys will not find it. The court is just dragging on and on. Look at Nun Chia. He is really old. Doesn't seem like he wants to admit any wrongdoing. There's no justice in that. I've been affected by this history as well. I didn't see any killings, but I've been deceived before. You know how those with power treat others. I've been a part of this since I was born. They took my father to hide for two years, but they never told me. I was a kid and only cared about my father. When I see his picture, excuse me. <coughs> No matter what, he's my father. I want to conclude by asking for forgiveness on behalf of my father. I want to accept responsibility and apologize 
I'm his son. I have to apologize to all of you, not just you as Americans, but everyone who suffered because of my father. I hope you feel a sense of relief so you can move on. Even me, the son of a Khmer Rouge, have suffered too because of that history. Pang's apology is unexpected and in his own way, honorable. It could not have been easy for him, but Pang realized how important it would be for the survivors. Before I left the country, Lakana and I wanted to see Peng one more time. My father killed people in a prison that used to be a school, so I want to build a good school. I'm the son of a perpetrator, but that doesn't mean I can't help kids. This is my way to help our country heal. I'll do whatever it takes to help these kids so they can become leaders. If kids are our future, they should get a good education. The Khmer Rouge manipulated the uneducated. So to prevent it from happening again, we have to maintain schools and educate the kids. I can barely recognize the pang I first met compared to the pang I know now. I came to Cambodia thinking the survivors and I would find justice at the court. Little did I know, 35 years of silence would be broken by the son of a killer. Nun Chia, and Kielsen Pond was sentenced to life in prison. But for us, the Khmer Rouge trial is a trial that never ends.
I still find it hard to get my mom to talk about Cambodia. But after the trip, I learned that it's just not her generation that needs to talk, but mine too. And now, it's my turn to help the next generation make sense of what happened. And that's it for Making Contact. For more updates on Sofani Bay, Marie Chia, Serem New, Lakana New, and the tribunals, please visit our website, radioproject.org. Special thanks to filmmaker Michael Siv for giving us the permission to adapt his film for radio audiences. Lisa Rudman is our executive director. Marie Che, Anita Johnson, Monica Lopez are our producers. Sabine Blazan is our audience engagement manager. And Vera Tykolsker is our development associate. And I'm RJ Lozada. Thank you for listening to Making Contact.